1: Welcome to Spirit of Recovery,
2: offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice and Rev. Dan Beckett.
3: Welcome to Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I am Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice.
4: And I'm Rev. Dan Beckett.
3: And together, we discuss the ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. And so today's show is meant to be an interactive discussion. So if you're listening live, you can call in with your comments and questions. The number is 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555.
4: And Facebook users, you can also message us during the show from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, just click the send message button right below the banner and your anonymity is always respected.
3: So there's a well-worn adage that says we are known by the company we keep, but do each of the folks in a particular group that you hang out with reflect your values 100% or maybe you don't quite fit the mold and have to stretch to feel a part of, or maybe even there's too much drama in your life and you think, why me? How do we stay out of personality and live in principle?
4: We'll begin today by sharing our own experiences of getting stuck on personalities instead of principles and getting caught up in the who rather than the what, and then move into the solution of living life from a spiritual perspective. Then after the break, we'll share exactly how we use the spiritual approach to life to move out of drama and into peace. So, Lonnie, uh, we have that saying in uh, recovery programs, principles, not personalities, but it seems that we have it for a reason. I think many of us have gotten it backwards at times in our lives. What has your experience have been of uh, kind of getting that one backwards?
3: Well, you know, starting early in life, I think about all the people that I admired, you know, and I can remember being um, six years old, believe it or not. And we lived in Colorado at the time on top of a mountain. And the girl across the street, that was the only house across the street, gravel road, could ride a bicycle. And I couldn't ride a bicycle. And I looked up to her and I admired her. And I thought she was just, the, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. And I was, um, I, that's the first person I ever remember consciously putting on a pedestal and deciding I want to be like that. I want to be like her. And um and you know that was kind of a tendency that I carried throughout my life, and and it had some ups and its downs. But you know I, I identified with what does somebody else have that I want.
4: So it sounds like you're you're saying you didn't just look at riding a bike, for example. You put like the whole person yeah. ahead of what you know what whatever it was about that person. Okay, I hadn't thought of it that way. I like that. You know when if we talk about drama the first thing that always comes to mind is high school. I don't know why that seems like such a a breeding ground or an exercise ground for that kind of interpersonal drama where we get caught up in, you know, who said that and who did this and who was there and who said this to that person rather than, as we learn later in life, hopefully, or certainly when we get into recovery, it's not so much a matter of the who did it or how did they say it, but what's going on underneath it and so when I think back about high school days and I have kids now that are high school aged so I'm kind of revisiting that in a way especially with my daughter um, that whole high school drama just seems rife with uh, putting personalities ahead of core principles you know the the underlying truth or the things that really matter yeah you know and I,
3: I as as I mentioned, I put, tend to put people on pedestals and then I would try to um, model my life or my behavior or my speech pattern or what have you after them as if those things are what made them successful in my mind. You know, I had no, no understanding of um, anything underneath what I could see you know, what I could hear and what I could see, the material world, if you will. And, you know, I didn't understand it then when I was given instructions, also in high school, don't hang out with that guy. Don't hang out with them. Mm -hmm. What are you doing hanging out with those girls? You know, and and uh, other questions as I met new people, are they from a good family? You know, I, I didn't know how to process that. I didn't understand what was under that because to my literal vision, it appeared fine to me. So, I didn't have any way of making a judgment otherwise.
4: It almost seems like that, and maybe this is why that high school era comes to mind, that time in our lives, when it seems that finding out who we are seems to be a process of separating the them from the us. And and it just feels like it really lends itself to um, that kind of identity search that we go on as adolescents uh, understandably, is sort of a superficial thing, just like you're saying, although, you know, I know who the cool kids are, and I know who the nerdy kids are, and I know I'm in the nerdy kid group, and, uh, you know, I, I, I tended to understand people through outward appearances, and everything seemed to, that became very important in life, that uh, outward appearances and who's in what group with who and all those clicks and all that stuff. But it seems like just part of the process of finding out who we are. I think where uh, I can get in trouble is if I get stuck in that and never move beyond it. And that's one uh, one of the many reasons that I'm grateful for being on a recovery path is that it makes it very clear that uh, there is a big difference between the personality and the principle and we get to choose. But that's why I kind of see that. High school drama equals us finding out who we are. I I suppose I'm saying it's a necessary step, but I think it's also necessary to leave it behind at some point.
3: Yeah, some of us high school lasts a lot longer than maybe it should. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, I think it also depends on on where we are when we enter that stage. And what I mean by that is I was pretty needy in terms of having a need to belong. You know, I wanted to be a part of. I always felt like I was on the outside looking in. Um, you know, so I became a joiner. I wanted to do everything. And even if I didn't do it very well, I, you know, I joined all the sports teams. Now, mind you, I was in a very small high school, like uh, freshman through through um, senior numbered less than 100 kids. So, you know, if you set out, there was no team, basically. But, you know, basketball, track, volleyball, whatever it was, I, w- I wanted to be a part of the band, chorus, you know, et cetera, et cetera, pep squad, all of that stuff. And I didn't really fit very well. But I had this fear of missing out and this fear of being a loser, if you will, by by being on the outside. And so I joined all these different things for a couple of different reasons, which really aren't important here. But, you know, this this need, this neediness inside of me was driving me. And so I, as I mentioned earlier, didn't have a way to discriminate which group was a good group to hang out with and which group was a bad group. You know, I I knew that I was on the edge of the nerdy kids. But there were only three of us. So, you know, that's not too much of a of a group to hang out with. And so I wanted to be one of the cool kids. And of course, as you might imagine, that got me into all kinds of trouble later on.
4: Interesting trouble, I'm sure, along the way. You know, I am an introvert. I've shared that before. And uh in a way, I think that at times I had considered myself not really subject. To this kind of drama that we're talking about, this interpersonal drama, this um, you know placing personalities ahead of principles, but uh, I know that that's not really the case. I think for someone who is an introvert like me, we you know we tend to have a um, a larger internal experience, and so while I I may have identified you know, a person who seemed like they were getting sucked into drama as simply being an outgoing person that expressed it. Uh, But when I look back on it, I have to acknowledge that I was equally um, affected by it, drawn to it, if you will, but I wasn't Uh, I wasn't outgoing, so I wasn't going around talking about it all the time. Uh, The difference simply being that mine was internal. But internal doesn't mean that it's not happening. It just means that it's not apparent. And um, I know that I was also uh, very much subject to, you know, who is who and sort of interacting with the world or understanding, engaging the world, if you will, based on... uh, more superficial things and actions, more on personalities, and that is drama.
3: Yeah, for me, I think about drama as being anything that, uh, any type of an event that has um, uh, some intensity of emotion to it, you know, and I grew up in a household with three younger sisters, so there were four of us in high school at the same time, if you can imagine, Wow. and, <laughs> and so there was lots of drama around romance as you might imagine and whose boyfriend was who and I mentioned the small school and if this sister didn't want that guy then maybe that sister did and you know so I mean there was this big stirring pot of emotional turmoil going on and then of course there were all the friends that talked about who was with who and why and all of that kind of thing I didn't want any part of it however the internal drama that you talked about was still going on inside of me because I was disturbed. I was agitated. I was um, emotional about all of these different things. I had this high level of anxiety that was stirred up because of it. And so anytime that there was anything that that I would perceive as conflict, um, you know, it stirred up this anxiety within me. And and I tried to avoid drama at all costs. If I saw it happening, I went the other way.
4: Yeah, I think that I uh, felt the same way, although... Um, I have to say that that was just my relationship with drama. I might've thought I was avoiding it, but that was my own way of, um, sort of my non-participating way of participating in it. I was a non-participator. Uh, unlike you, I was not a joiner. It took me until much later in my life to learn how to be a part of instead of be apart from. Be a part, two words, be a part of instead of apart from. Um, I know that I noticed, and I think this was a great opportunity for me and maybe others who are listening have had this experience. It's really easy to get caught up in drama early in recovery for lots of reasons. Um, the two that really come to mind is that early in recovery, you know, we're, we're very much emotionally, spiritually, mentally raw, you um, we've We've been beat up by whatever it is our addiction has been, and now we're without it and so we're kind of experiencing the world in full force, which can be um disconcerting at least. and we're in uh in, in hopefully in a recovery group and a whole bunch of other people, some of whom might be in that very same situation, and as we've talked about before. Uh, people who would not normally mix. And so there just seems like there are lots and lots of opportunities for, I don't like the way that guy does this and that lady, I don't like how she does that and all kinds of drama to get caught up into. But that of course means it's also a great place to recognize and heal that drama. And that's how it found my experience to be, you know, all those things that I think drove me crazy at first became my teachers. And now I can smile. Uh, at them and not get sucked into it quite so much.
3: I remember avoiding group conscience and business (laughs) meetings for exactly the reason that you mentioned. Yeah. So now that we know about the challenge of being drawn into the drama of a situation, what's the solution? Well, in unity, we affirm that we have a choice and that we don't have to get mired in personalities. We can focus on underlying principles instead.
4: Unity author Emily Cady describes this as focusing on what she calls individuality, which is the spiritual essence of a person rather than personality, which is the human aspect. So the way out of
3: drama and into peace is through viewing any person or situation through a spiritual lens rather than the personal or material lens. And that spirituality is what we want to focus on today. But what do we mean when we talk about spirituality? that seems like a really broad term. And what aspects of it are important for us in recovery? So Dan, do you have some thoughts on that you'd like to share?
4: I do, and you know what comes to mind first when I think about spirituality, and I do, um, it's an important part of my life. It's, well, I shouldn't even say that, it's the center piece of my life. It's more than just an important part. It's sort of the framework that my life is built within and around. And I heard this saying, Uh, fairly early on in recovery that I kind of got but didn't really get and I still think it's sort of unfolding in me is that someone described um, you know living in recovery or living a a well-lived life as that being done from the inside out so instead I understood this to mean instead of looking out at the world and trying to fit oneself into it based on External factors uh, like personalities or um, appearances, but rather to begin from the truth that is within each and every one of us and let and then, you know, project that or release that or bring that into the world and let. Let yourself be a part of the world, beginning from who one is on the inside. I did not understand that for the longest time, but to me, that's the essence of spirituality. Now, maybe that's because in our unity movement Uh, we value most highly that inner experience of the presence of God, you know, so we're not looking so much outside of ourselves, we're not looking quite so much even at scripture, we do, but um, what we hold in the highest regard is our personal inner experience of the presence of God. To me, that's what spirituality is, living from the inside out in that way.
3: I was really confused when I first heard that, you know, I, I heard Two, maybe three things when I walked into my first meeting. One of them was that I better find a higher power, you know, that this was a spiritual program. And, um, you know, that drove me. I began attending church the same weekend that I started going to meetings because I had no idea what that meant you know that this is a spiritual program. I have to have a spiritual life. Well, how do I do that? you know uh, what is spirituality? is it is it the church? Is it not? And from my childhood, I kind of had this allergy to churches and I didn't um, didn't really want to dive back in, but in the desperation of early recovery, I was willing to try just about anything and so fast forward along the way, I have come to understand spirituality as my personal relationship with the guidance that I have, you know, that I am seeking, whether it's my higher power or from within or, you know, um, wherever. But the spirituality is an intention to gu- be guided by something besides my ego, really. Um, and that, that has been helpful to me. Uh, and religion has been a collection of um doctrine and what have you that is a church that is a group experience not an individual experience so that's how i separate
4: those two yeah I, and i think that's a great description and uh, that's that's also how i see it i think that that's how many many if not all of us most if not all in unity will tend to see it as deeply personal see it as a relationship and see it as primarily, or first and foremost, an individual experience, and secondly, it is a group experience. I, I think they're both important, but I see that we place the individual experience ahead of the group. Uh, I know that I do personally. I love um, being part of uh, my church. I love the church community, but that's only part of the the experience that I call spirituality, uh, it's a very important part. It's a part I would not ever want to leave out, uh, but it's not the whole thing. Uh, church is not equal to spirituality in my experience, um, and and religion is not equal to spirituality, although hopefully uh, a religion is an, is an outward expression of an internal experience. I think that's what it is meant to be. I think that's when it functions best. Is when it's expressing something that we're experiencing internally. Um, then I think it can be wonderful. Uh, without the internal experience, though, you know, if it's just going through the motions, it it loses its core, and you know, it can devolve into all kinds of unhealthy, unhelpful uh, ways of being. But yeah, I I love that way that you um, presented or shared that. Uh, individual experience first and how it is a relationship. You know, the the traditional Christian church would call that a a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I don't use that particular phrase uh, in unity, but I understand what they're talking about when they say that I didn't used to, I understand what that means. And I have my own way of seeing it very much along the lines that, that you described it. it. It is living from that internal guidance, that, that presence of uh, the Spirit within, living from that place. And yes, it's inherently personal. How could, it, how could it not be?
3: And I think that phrase, living from the internal guidance, is key, absolutely key to this. You know, I mentioned I started going to church the same weekend I started going um, to a 12-step program. Well, about five years in, I started seeing a big uh, gap between what I was learning and understanding through 12-step principles and what I was hearing in the church. And it was – some of it was languaging differences that I just could not, you know, uh, resolve. But I found myself at about five years sitting on the back row of the pew with my fingers in my ears going, no, no, <laughs> that's not – no, that's not right. Right. You know, and at that point, I had been there in the church long enough that I was wrapped up with the personality of the pastor, and how could he be wrong because he was on a pedestal? But I had this big internal conflict because that's not my experience that he's describing. So I had this big um, decision point. You know, I, I and and it was a, a lot of spiritual angst around that, and one of the associate pastors took me around we visited probably eight different churches she attended with me every sunday to try to find a church home and i finally dropped out because i did not find something that would fit and support me where i was at that point in my journey
4: wow yeah i can totally understand that and that is both part of the power i think of a of a of a spiritual community we'll say you know it has a leader and one of the big pitfalls of course um, In that we can all too easily um, decide that the person who's up front, that they know everything about all of this and that and that they have all the answers to my problems and that um, that their lives are wonderful. And if I could just be like that again, it's like you said, it's it's putting that person on a pedestal. We can do that with a book, too. You know we've i've 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 experienced the um, that doing that with even with recovery literature. Everything I need to know is contained right here in this book. Uh, well, and I've seen people say that about the Bible and about the big book. And it's just I think it's a it's something that we can do as humans. and it seems like a necessary step along the way. I mean, the toppling those pedestals, I think, is what helps lead me um, to whatever. To whatever might be next. Sometimes I think that's why my uh, the minister at my home church, my very first unity experience was um, uh, quite a character, and he seemed to delight in helping people knock him off the pedestal by being, you know, borderline inappropriate. Or depending on who you were, you know, telling an off color joke that you're like, I cannot believe I just heard that in a church. What is this guy doing? Well, what he's doing is trying to wake people up and i while i don't i don't um use his particular tactics i get what he was trying to do to kind of shake us out of whatever mold we had sort of stuck ourselves in and so um it can show up in a lot of ways Ah, uh, for me, being part of a tradition is important when I think about spirituality. Even though I have my very own take on it, and I absolutely do, uh, and and that's not true for all of us in unity, or especially in in more progressive spiritual traditions. It's it's almost like we're allergic to um, anything old. You know, anything old is musty and problematic, and all of that. But I really enjoy being part of a of a an old tradition. While finding my own way in it, you know, updating it as needed as we go.
3: So, you know, I told you I was in this hole at five years and I finally dropped out. Well, what actually got me started back on the path was principles. I was told not to focus on the personalities to start focusing on the principles. I didn't know how to do that. You know, uh, personalities are attractive, or they repel me, one of the two, you know, I'm either attracted to them or I don't want to be around you, one, one or the other. But when I was said, well, what does that look like? What is a principle? You know, I was told, well, principles are uh, ideas and values and ideals that we live by. And um, spiritual principles are those that elevate our consciousness, basically. And for me, they were absolutely necessary to start um, changing the way my life was. And I'll give you an example. The spiritual principle of the first step is honesty. Well, I thought I was honest when I got to the program. I'm cash register honest. You know, I don't steal or cheat or what have you. But let's talk about exaggeration. Let's talk about grandiosity. Let's talk about minimalizing things that happen. Oh, that's no big deal. You know, uh, those kind of things. I found out that there were all kinds of ways in which I um, pretended to be somebody I wasn't, better than what I was, or worse than what I was. There's all, all kinds of ways that ego manifests in dishonesty as a way to set myself apart from other people. Uh, having to be better than somebody, for example. And so when I started studying the spiritual principle of honesty, I had to start learning about, oh, that means this behavior needs to change. And then I found out it was a habit. How do I change a habit? I had to do some work on it. And that's just one simple example, but there's a lot of them. And a, a definition of, of principle that I like is that it works the same for everybody everywhere at all times. And so when uh, – it like gravity – It doesn't matter how important you are or how rich you are or or, you know, anything else about yourself. It works the same for you. And I believe spiritual principles do the same thing. So when I turned my will in my life, step three, over to the care of spiritual principles, that started me on a path toward a higher power that I could could trust that I could have a relationship with.
4: One thing that spirituality means for me, I had to realize, is having a set of practices to support spiritual living. So for me, those are things like a prayer practice, meditation. Uh, It includes body work for me. I learned that somewhere along the way. Counseling has been important peer support you know as clergy other of having a prayer partner and all those kinds of things and again those are external supports for internal experiences but let's hold that thought because it's time for a short break and when we come back we'd love to hear from you as we continue the conversation and the phone number to dial is 816-251-3555 please stay with us
2: experience the difference unity online radio the voice of an awakening world as unity online radio continues to expand its programming and outreach around the world we depend on the generosity of listeners like you if you enjoy the programming Please make your donation today by going to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate. Thank you for your support.
0: Here's a Unity Meditation Minute with Paulette Pipe. So as always, we begin our time of meditation by first... Taking account of what we're feeling, those sights that we're seeing, those sensations that we're experiencing, and each breath that we breathe. Notice where in your body you're experiencing those sensations. Let your breathing find its own rhythm as we begin the process of letting go, the process of relaxation. Remember why we're here. To hear more from Paulette Pipe and touching the stillness, visit the Archives section at UnityOnlineRadio.org.
1: What if you could start each day with a positive outlook, remembering you are a divine expression of God? Daily Word is a booklet of daily devotionals offering positivity that's downright contagious. With a print subscription or by email, you can pause to reflect on how to practice spirituality in your human experience. Reading Daily Word takes about a minute a day, so you can feel uplifted every morning. Visit dailyword.com to subscribe. Sometimes you might feel so alone with your problems you don't know where to turn we invite you to call Silent Unity the 24-7 prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you every day at any hour listen and relax as you hear their beautiful words affirm the highest and best outcome for you and those you love no matter what's going on in your life Silent Unity is always standing by call today 816-969-2000 Create a path to success and prosperity with Mae
2: McCarthy and Abundance Incorporated every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central on unityonlineradio.org. A co-founder of seven successful companies, an angel investor, best-selling author, and international speaker, Mae will help you each week with spiritual and practical tools you can use to create a life that you love with greater health, happiness, wealth, and freedom. Join the show live with your questions or listen later on demand right here on unityonlineradio.org.
0: Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555.
2: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice and Rev. Dan Beckett.
3: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice and I'm here with Reverend Dan Beckett. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to let you know that the phone lines are open. So if you have a question or comment to share, please give us a call at 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555.
4: And prior to the break, we were discussing Principles, not personalities, or more specifically, what happens when we get that backwards? Drama and spirituality, and how spirituality is really the antidote to drama. So Lonnie, now that we know the challenge is getting caught up in drama based on personalities, and the solution is a spiritual approach to relationships and issues, how exactly can we use spirituality to come to a place of peace in our lives?
3: Well we were just talking about how spirituality uh, can begin as a collection of ideas to to live by, to to be guided by. And for me, I, I used the spiritual principles under the steps. And so when I, I spoke earlier about practicing honesty, the very first thing I had to do is do my words and actions match. you know, and then I could use that as a tool when evaluating my relationships with other people, do their words and actions match. And so being able to use principles like that started helping me have a way to discern what was good for me and what was not good for me in in the environments that I found myself in. And part of that, uh, you know, we, we talked about birds of a feather flock together and being, you know, known by the company you keep. I had to start understanding, um, you know, they'd say stick with the winners. Well, I couldn't tell you what a winner was. <laughs> how am I going to how am I going to stick with the winners? I don't. Well, OK, if their words and actions match, they they're probably a winner. You know, at least they get sorted into that group. And so I could start. Determining who and and uh, what I was going to start listening to and and modeling my my behavior after.
4: One way that i found super helpful in sort of minimizing drama or get, getting caught up in personalities and instead cultivating an experience of peace is is through this core uh, unity tool of denial and affirmation. You know, if if you hang around unity uh, for a while, you hear this all the time. Uh, maybe to the point where it can sort of start to lose its meaning. But I, I love how each time we get together here on the show, we focus on a denial and an affirmation, because I think it really is a wonderful tool for shifting consciousness. Now, I have to say that at first, I thought that the denial statement and the affirmation statement were somehow these almost magical spiritual statements that if I just said these words, almost like an incantation, that that was somehow some in some way unknown to me. So I'm even in my head, getting in a little in superstition here, uh, was going to have an effect on my personality. Uh, What I found though, uh, the way that it works is not so um, hard to understand, but that by, Using the denial and the affirmation, I could easily tell how far away I actually am from that statement. So if I were to uh, if I were to make a, a denial statement about um, you know getting sucked into drama is not um, the truth of who I am. Hmm, my first reaction is, how true is that? Well, it it might be somewhat true. It might be very true on a given time. It might be um, very untrue at a given time. But to me, the power of denial and affirmation is that it gives me, it's like looking in the mirror. It gives me a very real sense of where am I on this issue? And by, by using that tool, I'm choosing to focus on the way that it doesn't work denying power to that, and the experience that I want to have, drawing that into my life. And so I found those things super helpful, even though the way they, in my opinion right now, the way they actually work seem very different than what I first thought when I encountered them.
3: One of the things that I learned that was so helpful for me with with, um, staying out of drama, not engaging in the drama, was boundaries. You know, um, we've talked before about how you don't have to attend every fight that you're invited to. Mm. And, you know, I didn't... I always... I've already talked about how I was a joiner. So if there's a group of people and they're talking about something, I would gravitate toward that group and I wanted to be a part of. And maybe I'm laughing at inappropriate jokes or maybe I'm uh, making a comment to, to be included as a part of the group, but I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, I mean, there's behaviors like that. And so I had to learn boundaries and I was told that boundaries are to keep me safe. They're not to keep other people out. And so what are my boundaries? Well, one of the ones that I set was I will not participate in gossip. Well, I had to learn how to identify gossip. Well, if it's not a me, my own experience, if I didn't see it, hear it, say it, it's gossip. I don't need to repeat it, you know. And so I was given tools like that where I could say, okay, this, this is my boundary. They're, they're over there talking about something that's really none of my business. I don't need to go over there. I think I'll go make the coffee instead. So being able to set a boundary, um, which included learning how to say no, just because I got invited to go out to to coffee afterwards with a group of people that maybe I'd been told to stay away from, or maybe I didn't feel comfortable around, I didn't have to say yes just because I was asked. And that was, that was a new experience for me to start learning to say no.
4: I like that. I've heard that described as uh, if someone tosses me a ball, that doesn't mean I have to catch it. I didn't ask them to toss me the ball. I'm not all of a sudden involved just because of what they did. I get to make a choice as well about how I get involved. Uh, one, another way that I have found that supports my shift from uh, drama or uh, personalities to life of peace is is another core unity practice, and that's a meditation practice. And again, this for me, this functions similarly to the way that denial and affirmation do because it gives me an opportunity to see what's going on it's almost again like looking in a mirror if I'm willing to sit and have some quiet time of meditation then I am choosing not to be distracted by all of the different projects and emotions and whatever it is that the particulars that's going on in my life, but to to set those aside, if only for a few minutes and to see, well, what's, you know, what happens when, when I'm not engaged in this, that, or the other thing? Well, what happens is whatever's floating around in my head. And so it, it is like the experience of looking in a mirror and just that alone, I think is a, is a powerful guide uh, to moving to a life of peace, it reminds me of that uh, principle of of emotional and spiritual healing that says that um, we all all human beings are naturally uh, driven to come into balance, and so healing can simply be a matter of not reaching into someone or something and changing it, but rather creating creating the environment where the healing occurs naturally. And that's, to me, what meditation is. I'm choosing to create an environment where I will more clearly see what's going on. And just by seeing it and setting an intention uh, for healing, the healing happens.
3: You know, an awful lot of drama, I think, is, um, uh, comes along with addiction it's um, obsessive-compulsive thinking patterns and behavior patterns, and you know it's it's kind of a deep hole to dig out of. But it, it does happen when we start bringing our lives into balance, as you were mentioning. And one of the things that that helped me immensely was being willing to seek guidance instead of live inside my head. Oh, God told me this or that. You know what I thought was meditation when I first got into the program turns out not to be at all what. Um, what I was, what, what I was experiencing. And so being willing to reach out, being willing to ask somebody else's thoughts or opinions or even guidance, I don't know what to do here. What should I do? For years, I would call my sponsor and say, I need a reality check. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I think I need to do. What do you think? And I would get instruction back, like, you got to be kidding. <laughs> or, <laughs> well, let's talk some more about that. And, you know, that processing of those uh, obsessive compulsive thinking things helped me dissect them to the point that i could start changing little pieces of my behavior but more importantly start changing little pieces of my thinking because it was the thinking that was driving the behavior oh this time it'll be different it'll be okay
4: <laughs> you know <laughs> i know that thinking pattern I know it well I think I still use it in fact but not in ways that threaten my life <laughs> quite as much as my old ways did I realize that as I consider uh, the practices or the uh, what what is it that about spirituality that helps me move from a life of drama based on personality into a life of peace that that uh, that they tend to show up in a few different categories. I've already talked about a couple practices and I want to talk about another one, but also they show up in, in community and my engagement with community. They show up in principles, which is what you've been uh, sharing about. And they show up in actions as well. So I want to be able to touch on all of those, but the the practice that comes to mind, and and I'm beginning to feel like a a billboard for the the unity path. Uh, not sure how that could have happened, uh, but a giving practice, one way to help create peace in my life and get out of um, particular circumstances and in more into principles, is by having a a, a giving practice. You know, I joke with uh, the folks at church uh, on Sunday that you know, sometimes we've heard it said to give till it hurts. And then then they laugh uncomfortably. And I said, don't do that. Please don't give till it hurts. That's not how this works. But what we do is we give until we know we've done something. We give to the point where when we walk out, Of that church service, we're we're a couple inches above the ground, something has changed. There's a sense of joy and power that shows up within us. And that can that is so that is completely different for every person in every circumstance. That is uh that is giving from the inside out, is how I've kind of arrived at how to look at that. And so part of creating a life of peace for me. Uh, And staying out of drama is to, is to have a giving practice and to look at it in that way. You know, how is my giving helping me feel more alive now? How is my giving keeping me on the the life side and not the, uh, you know, slowly slipping into death side? Or way of being in the world. You know we say uh, in the program that any anything that we think or do or say or what have you is either leading us toward our addiction or away from it? And so i I want to look at my giving practice that way. How is my giving leading me away from addictive behaviors and into a spiritual way of living that creates peace in my life?
3: Another tool that helped me a lot was inventories. You know, whether they're periodic inventories or subject inventories or nightly inventories, it's a reflection. How am I doing? How was my day? How am I feeling? Um, you know, what was my behavior? Where did my conscience bother me because of something that was said or done or not said or done that should have been? Those things, you know, that a uh, practice, as you, you called it, uh, taking time to set aside, to reflect, um, gave me information about myself that helped then uh, steer me my future behavior. And one of the one of my favorite ones uh, somebody taught me was when I'm all wrapped up in drama and I don't know what I did, what my part of it was, is to write the story out. I did this. They went there. They said this. I did that. You know, just write out the whole story and then you cross out everything except the sentences with I in it and then read it. I went there, I said this, I did that. And it clarified things in a hurry about what my behavior was that needed to be changed. And then from there I could go back into, how did I get here? It had to do with my thinking patterns. And so taking time to reflect, it doesn't have to be a big, long, hour-long thing either, but taking time to reflect daily on how's how's my day going, how's my life going, has uh, been very helpful for me.
4: That sounds like a great way to answer that question that we often ask, what's my part in this? What's my part? Because uh, a lot of times it can seem like, well, I didn't do anything. You know, all I did was show up and say hi, and they did this, and they were mean, and they said this, and all. And I love the way that you pointed out there that if I were to, if I were to write all that down and just focus on the what, what was my part? Literally, what is my part in this? Man, wow, what a great way to to show it. Uh, I want to shift gears for a second, talk a little about community because that's another uh, important piece of this for me of of uh, creating a life of. Uh, serenity if you will and instead of one that's all caught up in who's doing what and in drama um, community shows up in a couple ways community and connection those two things go together for me uh, community means connection i've I've been in a community a church community and not been connected uh, and I have also learned what it actually means to be connected so just showing up uh, is a For me, it's a big step in the right direction, but just showing up is not necessarily going to create the connections that I'm after. But I do love community and connection. And one place I find that right now is at church each week. That's very important to me. And another place that I find it, and this is uh, coming up recently more for me, is again with music. You know, years ago, I'm talking 20 20 to 30 years ago, uh, I was deep into music. I played Uh, professionally, -professionally, semi-professionally with a band. We made records and toured and all that. And I absolutely loved it, but I stopped doing it a long time ago, uh, more than 20 years. And recently I've kind of rediscovered it. And that has been a wonderful um, rekindling of that, uh, you know, being a part of participating in music. And that brings community and connection because I'm not doing it by myself. I'm doing it in conjunction with other people. And so um, just that whole concept of being part of a group and being connected with other people, that is a way that I can help move into a life of peace and stay out of um, personalities.
3: You know, and as you're sharing that, I'm thinking about the the power of zeal you know and how, and passion and what that has to do with driving our spirituality forward you know when we finally grab a hold of something that that feeds our soul so to speak whether it's music or community or whatever it is you know i was told don't let go of that mm-hmm. you know when i when i find it again don't let go of that if that's what lights your fire don't let go of that and you know i never really got that connection i always thought that i just had too many interests or you know i i was wasting too much time on this or that evaluated by somebody else, of course. That's, that's my frame of reference. But, you know, I think that that's a key element in whatever is our passion is uh, a piece of what drives our, you know, spiritual growth forward. And, um, you know, and I, and I think that's wonderful that, that you've rekindled that, that you've, you've found that again. So another thing that I had to do, it seems like everything that I learned, I had to stop doing something first. Stop this before I can do that. It's kind of like Turning, I had to stop before I could change directions. And one of them was these thinking patterns that I've been talking about. And it's tied into what we call stinking thinking or Mm -hmm. negative thinking. Um, You know, I mean, I had that point of reference when I uh, arrived in, in recovery. And it was things like, oh, I'm not good enough. You know, oh, I have to wait to be invited. Uh, well, I can't do this. I don't have the skills for that or I haven't been here long enough or it's no use. It's not going to work or oh, I'm too scared. I am i don't want to do that. I don't want to make a fool of myself. You know, it's all of that negativity that was just tumbling around in my head all of the time and being able to, first of all, understand that's what I was thinking, to write some of those down uh, as part of of this uh, dissection of whatever drama I had been in last, you know, well, what were you thinking? You know, what were you feeling? What did you actually do? That kind of thing. And then to be able to see that this was a pattern of thinking that needed to change, this obsessive thinking. I would get in a, a rut like that and and it would be really hard to get out of that. That's when I learned to to ask for help and I learned to to reach out to others and I learned that if I went out and helped somebody else, it would break that obsessive Thinking pattern. So, learning that was uh, one of the ways that I I got out of the anxiety, the thinking patterns, and into a more peaceful thinking pattern.
4: For me, in in addition to practices and community, which are important ways that I create a life of peace and stay out of drama, is principle as well. And you kind of opened uh, with this, and the principles that come to mind. Uh, first are straight out of the twelve-step traditions: the W.H.O. the willing, honest, and open-minded. Uh, in a way, I I really get how those particular three things are core principles that that I, any of us, that we can build uh, a life of peace and a life of serenity based on. And I had to, as you've been sharing, um ask myself, where am I in relationship to being willing? Am I willing or not willing? Do I already know better than this and I don't want to try what they're saying or I don't like the person who suggested it uh, and so I'm not going to do that? I'm unwilling or am I willing to uh, engage a practice or an idea or anything? You know, Am I willing to take a meeting to the detox at the local hospital or whatever it might be? Uh, The other one being honest, just as you've shared. Um, Am am I being honest completely? Am I being mostly honest? Am I just stay out of jail honest? Or am I spiritually honest, where uh, I'm not doing things like exaggerating? I'm not trying to place myself above other people or or make myself look good uh, compared with someone else. Am I being honest in that way? Am I being honest... um, with my church community, about am I pretending that I maintain this stellar meditation practice when really, in, in reality, it's very challenging for me, and I and I go on and off of that path. It's always been uh, challenging. And again, am I being open minded? you know, am I, am I willing, again, open-mindedness and willingness, I think are strongly linked. I, am I open to new ways of seeing things? Because obviously I better be, if, if I already had all of the ways of seeing things that I needed, then maybe I wouldn't uh, be in a recovery program and, and I would already be uh, living a life of bliss floating six inches above the ground. But in reality, I need to be open to new ways of seeing. So those are the principles that come to mind. And yes, the principles They are bedrock. And that's one thing i always loved about unity from the first few minutes that I was in a unity church. um, The idea that it is based on principle, on law, like you said, on like gravity. It's not based on narrative. Narrative is important, but it's not centered on narrative. It's centered on principle.
3: I really like the honest, open-minded, and willing. And I say it that way because I think of honesty as going with step one and open-mindedness with step two. Maybe there's another way. And willing with, am I going to do anything about it? Yeah. And so when I think of it that way, it spells how, H-O-W. And I used that as a tool for a very long time because I would be presented with some new information or some new ideas or another uh, guidance to do something and I would go, well, how am I gonna do that? How? I just heard myself say how. Well, okay, first I have to be honest you know, about this. Where am I with this? You know, Am I being open-minded? Am I just shutting the door on it? And am I willing or not? Even if I'm only 51% willing, that's willing enough. And so that that has been a critical tool as well. Another thing that has been helpful to me is to quit comparing my insides, which is how I feel, with everybody else's outsides.
4: Amen. I'm giving you an amen on that one.
3: <laughs> okay. And it's it's harder to do, at least for me, than what, what it sounds like. Yes. But, you know, I walk in a room and automatically people are better dressed, better spoken, you know, more uh, couth. I mean, all kinds <laughs> of things that I instantly judge. Uh, and probably inappropriately, and it is not until I look in their eyes and I actually listen to them on a one-on-one basis that I can see that we are the same, that we are the same inside, that they have the same kinds of challenges, they have the same kind of pain, they have the same kind of joys and victories, you know, and, and that externals really mean very little, but yet that's, as I've Talked about earlier from my earliest childhood, that was my point of reference of my of my uh, evaluation of the world is what does it look like, and and it always looked better than what I felt.
4: Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That's why I, I had to speak up. <laughs> if if I feel like I'm the choir and you're the preacher, and I'm standing up with my hands in the air on that one, absolutely. So let's now move into action. It's uh, kind of our principle of service. Uh, Unity's fifth principle states, it's not enough to know these truths, we must live them. That means we must each take action in order to grow and recover. So if you're listening, here's something you can do to move from a life of drama to an experience of peace using a spiritual approach.
3: So think of a way that you might be getting caught up in some kind of drama. Maybe there's somebody in your family that really gets under your skin, or maybe somebody at work. Or perhaps you find yourself too easily lured into gossip.
4: What's important is to pick one thing, something simple, to focus on in this exercise. The idea is to relax and to let it be easy. There's no need to struggle. You can take what you learn here today into your life this week and return to it anytime you choose in order to find peace. So let's use the example of getting drawn into gossip at work.
3: So use a statement of power, or what we refer to in unity as a denial, to deny any power to social drama. You could say something like, Engaging in conflicts and personalities is not the truth of who I am. Repeat it a few times in your head or aloud, but say it with conviction. Engaging in conflicts and personalities is not the truth of who I am.
4: Then follow that up immediately with a bold and positive affirmation of a new experience. You could say... I see the spiritual truth in all situations. My life of peace is guided by God. And then take a
3: few quiet moments to relax and take it easy. Just breathe it in. There's no need to struggle. Give thanks for your new experience in the world and move on with your day.
4: So take some time this week and affirm your new experience. Engaging in conflicts and personalities is not the truth of who I am. I see the spiritual truth in all situations. My life of peace is guided by God. So we've
3: come to the end of our time together here today, and we hope you found something that helps you on your recovery path. And we both bless you on your journey. Thank you to our listeners, and thank you so much to my co-host, Reverend Dan Beckett, for the insights that were shared in our discussion
4: today. Listeners, if you would like, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and give us your thoughts and feedback. We invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Until then, have a wonder-filled week.